Sometimes we believe in the idea of forgiveness or grace, and it's wonderful until we're the ones that have that opportunity to extend forgiveness and grace. And so how do, how do we live? How does this change our life? How will we live? Uh, and I pray that we live according to biblical principles and biblical truths. Glad you're here this morning, especially if you are a guest. If you're a guest of, of Northside, we are so excited to have you. Uh, there's a portion of your bulletin that you can tear out 
uh, fill it out first, or I guess you could tear it out and then fill it out. It doesn't really matter, but we'd love to know who you are, how we can minister to you. You can take that and place it in the offering plate uh, or give it to a minister at the end of the service. Or, and this happens, you know, it could even happen more often. You can, you can put a prayer request on there. We'll pray for you. Um, pray for you on Wednesday nights we've got a group that prays on Thursday mornings we've got a group that prays on Sunday mornings we've got a group that prays and and we mention these prayer requests so you're prayed for uh, so if you'd like if you'd like prayer this week this is a great way to let us know how we can pray for you but right now I want you to find somebody and uh, shake their hand and let them know that you are glad to see them uh, this morning
in and day out, you are steady, you're unchanging. Dear God, as we change our minds and as we get tossed to and fro, dear God, you're a steady rock that we can rely on. We thank you, as the song says, for not giving up on us when we wander, when we turn our backs, when we go astray, when we put ourselves first. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you that you are worthy, Lord, worthy of all honor and praise, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. Lord, do ask you just work in each of us, that we would be <coughs> truly praising as we should, that we should be giving as we should, Lord, that we would be giving to further your kingdom, Lord, that others would know that you are the awesome God that is worthy of so much, Lord. Lord, just work in these tithes and offers and bless them to your kingdom. In Jesus' name.
kids, come on, join me down front if you don't mind. Stand again as we sing. Oh, 
uplift the name of your son father we just uh, we ask now that we open up your word that it become very real and near and dear to our hearts and God that uh, your precious Holy Spirit of God to be able to speak to us for areas that we need to be confronted uh, areas we need to present to you for cleansing but Lord always just areas where we can just acknowledge you for who you are our great and mighty God it's in Jesus name we pray amen you may be seated if I were to say, just say, think about the word Christianity. I wonder what I would be able to see and hear is going on in your mind and your heart right now. For some people, Christianity is equated with a religion. But Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that God the Father so loved us that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever would believeth in him should never perish but have everlasting life. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from the pit of hell. He gives to us, as we've been studying, a comforter one likened to himself, the Holy Spirit of God, who resides in our heart. And there he is to lead us and to guide us. And his purpose is to, within us, produce his fruit. And that's what we're studying. How the Lord produces his fruit in our lives. In Galatians 5, you remember in verse 22 and 23, it said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is long-suffering, it is kindness, it is goodness, it is faithfulness, it is gentleness, it is self-control, and against such there is no law. Now, we finally have made our way. We've laid the foundation for where I want to go this morning. We've been talking about you and I are not the ones who produce this fruit, but it is he who is in us the Holy Spirit of God, and we have to allow him to do what only he can do in our lives, and we come to that very first component that we read right there, and it is the component of, say the word with me, love. Now love, if I say the word love, again, if I could get in your heads and get in your hearts, you might be thinking a different thing than what we're going to look at today. 
So I want to help you understand what kind of love this is that the Holy Spirit of God begins to produce in our lives so that we will look like the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be His image. And His image so that we, when we reach out to others, they'll see Jesus in us. Okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that is the love chapter. And so we go there and we begin to read in verse 1, and it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, that I am, say the word, nothing. I am nothing. And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing, because love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things because all things hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. And I'm just going to stop right there. And, and I used to say this a lot, and I'm going to say it to you this morning. If you'll just take and take the word love, because God is love, and say Jesus is all these things. These things that are not to be evident in our life are not evident in Jesus' life. These things that are to be true in our lives are true of the Lord Jesus. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit of God in order that he produce himself in us so that we look like the Lord Jesus Christ to this world so that people will see in us the Lord Jesus and we will become his instrument by which others come to Christ. And so we, we look at this together and, and we think about this this morning. Uh, today we look at this first component right there, love. Why do you think maybe that it is listed first? The reason that it is listed first, I believe, is because all the other eight components, all the other eight qualities, that the flavors of the fruit, ever how you want to break this down right here, you see they all flow out of this one beginning component. It is love. In fact, I want to tell you how important love is. Jesus told a lawyer one time that uh, you could summarize all of the Old Testament basically with one word. He said, it is love. And he said, you can summarize the entire law, he said, in two commands, love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's my question. What does love look like? What does it look like? How can we, uh, a person, show their love to others? How can they know that we really, truly love them as God would have us to love them? If you want to think, and look with me right here, uh, I want you to start out, I want you to think good of yourself. 
How many of you consider yourself a loving person? You're afraid to raise your hands. I know you are, because you think it's a trick question. But, you know, we all think we're a, we're a loving person. We may think that we're a, a loving husband, a wife, a parent, a sibling. We, we, we may be a, a loving church member. We may be a loving mother, son, daughter, brother, sister. But here's what I want us to do. Will you promise me that when we go into this scripture today, you will truly look into the word of God as a mirror into your own soul? Will you be honest? This sermon's about not everybody else, but it's about me. It's about you. It's for us to take inventory individually of where we are in this component and this quality of love. What does love look like? We may think it looks a certain way. We may think we're doing okay with it, but let's put it up right against the Word of God today and see how we're doing. Fair enough? Just see what we have. Notice, first of all, if you have this love being produced in you, then you're going to be motivated by that love. You see, it's all important to understand what motivates us in our love to God. What motivates us in our love to one another? Why do we do what we do? How, how we do these things? Why is that so important? You Look at Paul right here. Paul makes a point about love, and he uses this kind of love. It is the agape love. It is agape love, which is, which is uh, rarely found, rarely ever found outside of the Bible. The two other prominent Greek words that we can find is the word eros and phileo. Eros would have to do with erotic that would be the sensual love. And then phileo would have to do with the brotherly love. Thus, we have the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so with the eros love, that is when you find another, a man finds a woman in a sensual way as they, they love one another. But then you find someone that's like a brother or a sister to you, and you say, man, I, I just like being with you. I like being with you. That's a phileo love. That's a brotherly love. This is not what this is talking about. So wipe that out of your mind. We're looking at what the Word of God is saying right here. And we look at what it's saying right here. Both those other loves that I just briefly described to you are dependent upon, a, on, on uh, the person that is being loved. And uh, right here, agape describes a love that is based on a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate choice of the one who is loved. It's the kind of love that goes against the flesh. Okay? And here, here's the whole thing. We're talking about the battle. Remember last week? The battle of the flesh and the spirit. Well, this goes against what the flesh, the flesh thinks and does and demonstrates many times with love. And so he's, he's drawing the line for us right here. He says, it is a love that is giving, uh, that is given expecting nothing in return. And so he, uh, he's saying God's not impressed with what we do. God's not even impressed in the way we do it. But he is, he is concerned why we do it. What motivates us? 
to this love. Interesting that we take the book of 1 Corinthians right here and we pull it into context. Chapter 13, what's the chapter before chapter 13? 12. What, what is the chapter after chapter 13? 14. Good, you're doing good. So, so here it is right in the middle of chapter 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. 12 and 14 talks a whole lot about, as we look right here, look in your Bibles, spiritual gifts. Not spiritual fruit that we're studying, but spiritual gifts. And I even see people get confused with this. And they say, and if they're not confused about it, they'll even ask me, why do you spend so much time on that? Just tell them that it's those nine flavors and move on. see why as we break one down each week right here now we got all caught up when we read first corinthians about the gift of tongues boy we just we parked there a little while we get all caught up in the gift of prophecy we get caught up in the gift of knowledge the gift of faith why even the gift of giving that just amazes us and then there's one right there that kind of stands out a little bit, the gift of our own life. But he says, the only thing that makes you anything is love. Is love. There's no substitute. Listen, there is no substitute for loving God and loving others in the proper way. Now, the point is when we get to get so impressed with spiritual gifts, God is more impressed with spiritual fruit. So we begin to look at what Paul is saying to us here. Where we are so impressed with what people do, and we're so impressed with the way people do what they do, God's saying, why do they do it? Why do they do it? The real mark of being a Christ follower, coming to him in, in faith and trusting him as your Savior, is not activity, but it is in your affection, your love for him. For God so loved us, we love him. He first loved us, so we love him in turn. We can't do anything to increase his love. But boy, we can sure be motivated by through his love. Now, everything you do for the church, and I'm asking you to evaluate yourself. Everything you do for the church, everything you do for your family, everything you do for your friends, even what you do for your boss at work. <laughs> What's your motivation? Is it to get a raise or just because you want to love him and love him like Christ and do a job like Christ would do? And so we begin to look at ourselves and when we get our motivation right, we get our motivation right and we accept God for who he is and we allow God then to love in and through us, then you know what others are going to say? 
I want some of that. I want some of that. Because they're going to be so drawn. That's when the Holy Spirit of God then begins to work not only in you, but through you. And you become like a spiritual magnet to others. You don't have to even try. Matter of fact, don't try. Just trust. Just trust him to work in and through you. And here's what happens. They begin to see Jesus in you. Now that's where it all starts. But then notice, you'll be marked by love then. As Paul says, he gets down to the nitty-gritty right here, and he gives us 14 characteristics of love, and I'm going to go through very quickly with you. Some of them are positive, some of them are negative, and so we're going to look quickly, and I want you to ask two questions as we go through this. Number one, how does my love measure up with this quality? Number two, how would the behavior of others around me change if my love included these all right now so there's some things that love practices and then there's some things that love prohibits so look it says love is that's positive love is patient it says it is patient so if you can imagine right here Love as being a fleet of ships, um, among a fleet of ships, and the flagship is patience. It is patience. And the word is very interesting. It's composed of two words. Thymia is the word right there, which gives us the word thermometer. And so it, it refers to heat or it refers to passion. The second word that is tied in right there is the word macro, opposite of micro, and it means long. So now, listen. Literally, it's saying love is long-tempered. Love is long-tempered. Let me say it another way. Love's got a long fuse. It's got a long fuse and in figuratively it means it takes it a long time to come to a boil it takes a, it takes away that that immediate anger that comes up and you're submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit he tempers it down he tempers it down so a long fuse but listen to this it only takes you a short time to get over it well I've learned not to blurt out but I'll hold on to it for a while look it says it's long tempered it's patient it's got a short memory is what it also. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing? Number two, love is kind. Kind. Original language, the word for kindness. It carries the idea of an English word. We know kindness when we do something good for someone just out of the kindness of our heart. 
Mark Twain said, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. What is your kindness quotient? Just how, how do you display kindness in your life? Just a quick question. When's the last time you did something kind for someone in your family? Someone kind for somebody at work or in your neighborhood or here at the church without being asked? It just sprung up, sprung forward. Start say Vietnam uh, in uh, Jamaica. Barbara Donna here. Y'all used to send us off to those mission trips down there, and I took your your younguns off down there, and uh, they were graduating from high school and going, getting married, and that gap year, they call it for gap year. Took them down there, and they come back, and I remember we'd had the time that we would show show and tell time even then. And uh, we came back and we sang a song. The song was, Jesus' love is a bubbling over. Jesus' love is... And it, and it just sounds so stupid when we got back. But when we were there, man, it was so real. I get tingly thinking about it right now. They, they, they really capsulated what I'm saying. That when you got the love of God in your heart you can't help but be kind to others without being asked it's spirit led it's spirit led and then notice love does not envy uh, love isn't jealous James Dobson says if you love something set it free if it comes back to you it is yours if it doesn't it never was. There's another version that says, if you love something, set it free. If it doesn't come back to you, track it down and beat it to death. <laughs> well, that's not what love is. That's envy. That's jealousy. And, uh, but here's the point. Envy and jealousy possess, but love releases releases and real love is, is being glad for something good that's going on in your life in the life of, I mean in another person's life and uh, truly truly being glad that God has blessed them someone wisely said every time you turn green with envy you're ripe for trouble so when that, when that envy or that jealousy pops up that's not of God and so the Holy Spirit of God begins to, begins to control us. That's what being filled with the Spirit is, being controlled by Him. And He, he gets us to where we, we don't envy, we're not jealous, but we are kind and we are patient. And then notice love is not proud. Sometimes it's even harder to love when, you're, when you become a, quote, successful person. Have you ever known anybody that completely changed after they come into money or got a promotion? They used to have something to do with you, but now they don't. 
You see, this is the whole point right here. They used to take your calls when you called them, but now they screen their calls. And you see, real love is not only accepts the other people when they're, when they're more successful, but real love also accepts other people when, when they're less successful too. We don't, you know, it's just a human fleshy nature that's there we have to let him take control of. Then notice, love's not rude. It's not rude. The word rude literally means shameful or disgraceful behavior. No need to, to really park here or elaborate at all that speaks for itself. Simply put, love is something we don't find very much in, in the days in which we live. We don't find much courtesy today, do we? We find people breaking in line. We see people changing lines. We find people rage on the highways, rage in, in their lives right there. Let me ask you something. How's you, how you doing? I mean, when, when I studied this out, I mean, I had to just stop and repent. Repentance in many of these areas. Love is not self-seeking. If anything defines true love, it is that love is selfless. It, it is selfless. It, it is, you know, it is a loving you before you love me love. <laughs> Ever so often when we say I love you, do you mean it? so that you can get something. Expecting something in return. What you are doing right now is, you see, many times it's you're showing or saying that love sometimes because there's something you want out of it. But you and I are not to be self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. Simply put, real love applies a lot of grace in every relationship. And I, the title of today's message is that love produces lasting relationships. And so in that relationship, we don't get angry in that relationship. We leave a lot of room in that relationship for that other person to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. And the word here is an accounting term, a bookkeeping term. It literally says love does not keep a ledger on evil. Love doesn't hold a grudge. Well, we've already said it doesn't have a long fuse and she has a short memory. And, but see, you're, you're both quick to forgive, but you're to be quick to forget. You don't keep a ledger right there. Now, that's not easy, is it? Let's just be honest. Is that easy? No. It's impossible in the flesh. C.S. Lewis said, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. For one reason, you see, we keep a ledger. Oh, yeah. I remember when you said that. So we can save it for later. We can bring it up later. We keep in score, you see. Can I tell you what love does? 
Definitely does it not keep a record of wrongs, but it doesn't even keep a record of rights. The thing's done good. Real love doesn't keep a record of your wrongs or rights. So let me ask you again, how are you doing? Then notice, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it says there. This is the tough part. This is the tough part of love right here. When you really love someone, you're willing to both tell them the truth and in hopes that they'll hear it and receive it, but you have an obligation if you truly love someone to tell it anyway, even if they don't receive it or don't want to hear it. And so this, this is where the rubber hits the, uh, the, the ground right here in my estimation. You know, are we truly, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, amen, in the church? You consider one another friends in the Lord, do you not? Well, a real friend will confront another friend. He'll tell him the truth. And he'll confront them with that, knowing he may get a, a slap back. That's okay. You, you, if, you, if your motivation's right, if you're marked with this love. And then thirdly, notice that you'll be mastered by love. The first three verses, now he's spoken of. He's got our attention. But now verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, he kind of puts a ribbon and wraps it around right there. And, and it's one of the sweetest paragraphs in the Bible So he, that he closes with right there. there. There's a word repeated four times in, in these verses, and it's the word all, A-L-L. -L. The Greek word is panta. P-A-N-T-A, not Fanta, the drink, but Panta, P-A-N-T-A, pantheism, okay, is the belief that God is all things. A pantry, ladies, is a cupboard where you can store all things. Uh, panacea is a cure for all things. A panoply is an array of all things. So now notice, panta means all things. He's saying that love always looks for the good in the other person. Look at it. He's not negative. A heart that has having produced the fruit, the component of love, is not negative, it's positive. It doesn't look over people's faults but it doesn't it doesn't look for people's faults but it overlooks sometimes their faults now that doesn't mean that love is blind okay someone has well said love is not blind it sees more not less but because it sees more it is willing, willing to see less you see, let me tell you something. You can always find something negative about somebody. You can always find it. And uh, if you're willing to, to look at it long enough and analyze it long enough, I guarantee you, 
your flesh will find something wrong. But nothing is a greater love killer than being a cynical, negative, pessimistic person. Fault finder. Some church members pride themselves, and that's a sin, in being a fault finder, and that's a sin. God's not impressed with that. He's not impressed with that, but rather he wants to, us to be motivated by love. He wants us to practice these things, and then some things that are prohibited. And if we, if we won't fail, and uh, if, we, if we'll look at these things, I'm giving you some pointers here. Now listen now, it's going to help you in your marriage. I've been married 50 years for no reason. I'm not the world's best husband. I gave her a chance. Amy in there. She said, Amen. <laughs> and when all these fleshy qualities come up, boy, thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit of God's in my heart and alive and, and, and works in and through me. And you see, when, when we look at what the Lord is saying here by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The generation today, listen, those of us that are older, they're sick and tired of us being a bunch of hypocrites. And saying we love God and love one another and act like the devil. <laughs> Little eyes are watching. Little ears are listening generations to follow are wanting to see what is love. They try to define it from themselves. But God defines it for us right here. And love becomes like a glue. A glue that has the potential. You talk about unifying this body, to have this body ready for its next pastor. Love is the bond that will put this church not a love you muster up, but a love that the Holy Spirit of God empowers you individually and then collectively. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today. I'm done preaching for now. I don't ask it loosely. Will you promise to love God? love one another. I found this not too long ago and actually called the pastor. It's a church out in the western part of the United States. Fourteen years ago, the church was going through some difficult days. And they uttered these words to each other. It was a commitment that the church made to each other. Here's your commitment. You will never knowingly suffer at my hands. Think what I'm saying. Person to your right, your left, front, the rear. People you go to church with every Sunday. They won't have to suffer 
by anything you say, do, or not say. You'll overlook their faults. You'll just love them. I will never say anything or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll zip the lip. I will always in every circumstance seek to help and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do it. If you have need of something and I have it, I'll share it with you. If I need to, I'll give it to you. We almost get there sometimes, don't we? Well, I'd be glad to help you there, but you know, I'd have to have $100 for that. Well, if there's a need, give it to them. Give it to them. No matter what I find out about you, no matter what happens in the future, whether it's either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And there's nothing you can say or do about it. You ready to make that kind of commitment? I've made that commitment to my wife. I've made that commitment to my children. I make that commitment to my, to my grandchildren. I don't know that I've ever made that total commitment to the church and to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We dance around the issues. We almost love each other. We almost forgive each other. But that's not what God says. God says, I want you to commit. I want you to trust me to love in and through you. I want to close, and then I'm going to go prepare myself. Ethan's going to join me for baptism, and BJ's going to come and close this service. But let me make one last statement for you to just kind of pray on. If we can ever capture that kind of spirit in our heart, in this church that really would be the embodiment of the fruit of love. Would you agree? It's up to us. It's up to us individually and collectively. You may want to spend some time when BJ comes. I'm not going to steal his thunder and draw on his neck, but you may want to come to the altar. You may want to go to one another if Scott leads. But BJ, come and Ethan, you join me. Carol, um, I just want to continue on that same theme of love, and we know we know that it's a great commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Martin Luther would talk about how ironic it is that a commandment 
or the law doesn't really solve anything when it comes to love. You can't, you can't make me love something just by telling me to love it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, now I, I like what uh, J.D. Greer has to say, and I'm, I'm in line with that. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell me to play with my kids, kiss my wife, or eat a steak, or take a nap. I love doing those things. I already love to do those things. And so a commandment doesn't really fit. So how then, how do, how do we get that love? How, how do we have the love of God? And it's not by just trying harder. Pastor Darrell said we don't just muster up some love within us. In fact, the, the law really could never do that. It could point out our errors. It could point us a direction in which to go. But it's the gospel. We live under grace now. We live under the we, 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 we live under the law of grace. We live under Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. When He changes our hearts, we can love. When the Spirit is in us, it generates love. And so, this morning, uh, I do want to offer you that just that just. Let's just talk about what that might look like. If it was a difficult passage to walk through this morning, to say, do I really have the love of God in me? Then let's talk about what that might look like. Because sin creates a barrier between us and, and, between us and the Lord. Sin separates us. But the gift of God is that we can turn in repentance and we can trust in Jesus Christ and in his name who's paid the penalty for our sin on the cross who's defeated death with his resurrection and we trust in that and there's a promise that comes with it at that moment that we come to know Christ he sends his Holy Spirit to come and live to be a part of us and part of what we understand today is that we get love we experience the love of Christ and we in turn share that love with other people so what we're going to celebrate here in just a few minutes with baptism is a picture of that. Dying to self, living to Christ. And it's God's love that motivates us. It's God's love that, that causes us to love. I want to ask Curtis and Ann to come up and we'll just have a, a time of commitment right now. But I want you to think about that. Have you ever come to the place where you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that you've repented, you've turned from your sin? Do you love? It's not something we can just work on ourselves. It comes in total submission to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he works in us. It may be that you can just want to pray right there in your chair. The altar is open. I'll be down, for, uh, down front here if you just want somebody to pray with you or talk about what it means to come to know Christ in a personal and real way. Um, but however God is leading you, that's the way I want you to respond to him. It's not a response to me, it's a response to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, I, I, I thank you about uh, just this, this, this whole idea of love. We don't even know what love is apart from you. Father, we can do all kinds of wonderful things, but if we don't have love, the Bible's very clear, it's of nothing. Just a, just a sounding gong. But Father, uh, speak to us now, and may we listen. And as you lead, may we follow. And Father, have love for you and love for one another. Thank you 
for loving the whole world that you would send your only begotten son. Whoever believes in, in the name of Jesus shall be saved. Father, speak now. May we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing this last song together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as Now, if you would be, please be seated as we celebrate uh, eternal life in the baptistry. 